Uh, welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. This week, my guest is the legendary performer, Clark Peters, who is going to be in the new BBC production of His Dark Materials. So, hello. Uh, it's Alice Arnold here. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. I'm very excited about this week's guest because this week's guest is Clark Peters, a legendary oh, Clark star. Peters. You are. Now, um, I do do this for everyone, but yours is special. Well, you can't have all of these, Clark, because we like to save one for myself and my producer, Sarah, but I'd like you to... Here's a little cakes. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Well, they are they are pretty cakes. They are pretty, and there's chocolate. In yep, here, yes. that's Oreo. That's an Oreo. That's an Oreo cupcake. cookie cupcake. Mm. I do you promise. guys do this all the time? It, it, the, only for special people, Clark. Can I come back tomorrow <laughs> and have a cup of coffee with us? Thank you. It's uh, Thank it's you. it's my pleasure. Now, Clark is here because I'm going to talk. I want to talk to you about lots of things, but I know you're here because. The new BBC blockbuster serial of his Dark Materials is starting yes. in a couple of weeks, I think. The third of November. The third of November. Yes, yes. So I'd never read Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials, mm-hmm. but my producer Sarah had, and she started explaining it to me, and I thought this sounds really, really weird. Yes. As it happens, we had a copy of the book. I am now halfway through, <laughs> riveted by it, reading it at night, and. <laughs> Where are you? Where, where, where are you in the in the proceedings? Well, Lyra's with with the Egyptians, and she's discovered <laughs> okay. who her real mother and her yes. real father. I don't want to give this oh, away, yes. though. I shouldn't uh-huh. say it. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, she's discovered who her parents are. Right, right. And your role in it, which I'm not quite sure. Now you're the master. I don't know yet if you're a goodie or a baddie, Clark. That's good. That's good. I I, I like that. And and you won't know whether I'm a goodie or a baddie until you see the whole picture, which. And it'll be on reflection that you will determine whether I've been good or been bad. And this is intriguing. Yes, that's, and that's how it should be. <laughs> I've seen a little clip of the series, which isn't out yet, but it looks extraordinary. Yes. I mean, obviously the CGI, because there are lots of little creatures yes. in it for people who don't know the book. I do now, obviously. Um, so have you acted before with all that CGI stuff um, and... I've acted with CGI, but this was absolutely different because we had puppeteers. And so um, my, uh, my Alicia, my, my demon, uh, and the demons are the extensions of, of different people, um, there was someone with a puppet that would fly around, you know, um, when, um, oh, I, for- I keep forgetting the demon, uh, 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 Jimmy's demon, um, um, the the leopard. Um, there was a huge leopard in. in uh, there was a puppet. Now the head looked like looked very realistic, but the body was as you would expect, just sort of disjointed joints. But this puppeteer would make it breathe. He would expand it and contract, and every once in a while he would just let its head sort of rest on its paws while we're acting the scene. So this is going on on the side, and you're seeing it at the corner of your eye, so it's not CGI. You're actually 
looking at something, and hopefully they will have put the CGI character in that in that place. You know, but that's um, that's the difference between working with just your imagination and having something there really to respond. To. Yeah, fantastic to to have something real. Yes, is yes. it were to, yeah, to be, and. and, and and to see a leopard, I mean, yeah, this, well, this, this, um, this, this can be a little disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> and were you a fan of the of the books before, or did were you like me and came to it when you knew you were doing it? I came to it when I knew I was doing it, and like you, I I sped through <laughs> immediately. Um, I think within uh, within two days, uh, two shooting days. Um, I was I was totally confused because I didn't know whether I had read what we were about to shoot or whether we were shooting what I had already read. Mm-hmm. It was all, but what it had done was place me securely in that world you know, um, of different of demons of different dimensions of uh, uh, of of alethiometers you know, and, and intuition and all of that. I'm glad you said alethiometers because I didn't, wasn't quite sure how to pronounce it. But well, you know, and, that, and that's that's a mystery. She still hasn't worked out how that works. But no, uh, no. no. Um, <laughs> go on. So and and well, this is the first book in this series. Yes. So there were three, aren't there? Yes. So I presume you yes. lined up for shooting the next one already. Well, I think they might already be into the next one. They might be shooting that one now. But um, this first one will take. I, Anywhere from eight to ten uh, episodes to tell. It's it's a very, as you can see, it's a very dense story. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it's not you can't even take one book and just do it in two hours with without losing, I would say, seventy five percent of what Philip has written. You know, so um, I think they're probably editing the um, the latter part of the first season and and beginning shooting the second season. Mm-hmm. So, Clark Peters. This is my musicals and theatre podcast. I can't just talk about his dark materials uh, much as we are looking forward to it. But I, I did see Five Guys Named Mo, and I was trying to work out how long ago it was, and it was not recent. No. I'm talking about 20 or so years ago, at least when, did, where, when where, I where, saw when, it. When well, it was in the West see? End okay, when it, yes. Anyway, but I was really interested in this because you worked with... Um, with Ned Sherin. Yes. He was a big a friend and sort of mentor yes. for you yes. a long time ago. Yes. Um, um, I probably wouldn't be here without without uh, his um, influence. Um, and in the beginning, it was Ned and Carol Brahms. You know, um, for those who don't know Ned, he, he uh, wrote Side by Side by Sondheim. Uh, he started a, a satirical news show called That Was the Week That Was that introduced uh, David Frost to the world, I think. Um, Millicent Martin um, and others. Um, so um, when I came to England um, and I decided to go back into theater, um, Ned popped up. And over the next maybe four years, um, I worked on two of his shows, and he was always in the background when it came to musicals and it came to satirical uh, points of view of, of politics, <laughs> you know, and wit. <laughs> Um, and I miss him enormously. I didn't realize uh, how much of an influence he had on my life or how much love I had for the man until he was no longer here. You know, but yes, he was a... Uh, when I started doing Five Guys Named Mo, I had, a, had the idea for this. I called Ned and asked him if he would help me, and his response was, Dear boy, we've done enough of those. You can do that yourself. <laughs> and I said, okay, 
All right, all right. And uh, I'm glad that he did. I'm yeah. glad that he did. Um, showed me what I'd learned from him, or what I gleaned from working with him. And um, the rest was history. Yeah. yeah, well, of course, Five Guys named Mo went on to be you know, massively successful no. and has been revived and, you know, yes. lots of times. Well, Alice, can I ask you a question? Yes. If you know of anyone who wants to turn that into a film, please let me know. Oh, uh, well, my film contacts are minimal, Clark. Oh, okay, all right. Um, okay. I'm, I don't move particularly in those circles. I, oh, okay. I don't know why not. Yes, be yes. Maybe because I've just been on radio all my life. But, <laughs> 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 but who knows? Podcast listeners, it could happen. Um, because musicals are obviously a, a huge thing f for you. And I think you're going to be, you're doing some live Q&A events in the, at the BFI, aren't you, for um, celebrating musical yes, yes. theatre. Yeah, they're, they're doing a, films, a, a, series, a season of film, a musical films. Um, so, yes, I'll be part of, part of that. We launched that, I think, about three or four weeks ago. You know, so between now and, I think, December... Um, there'll be a whole series, maybe once a week, of an old, you know, musical film from the 40s, um, 50s, maybe even before that. Um, both American, European, um, and I've been asked to be part of that, which is wonderful, yes. See, but also, you know, um, staying with music, may I, may, may I plug that on, 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 on October 30th is a wonderfully auspicious day. Um, there will be at Ronnie at uh, the celebration of Ronnie Scott's life at the Royal Albert Hall, and uh, I'll be hosting that. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so um, it's a lot of music. See, I think it's quite interesting that the, the a musical theatre that world takes you away from the troubles that yes that we might be all living through yes. at the moment, and yes. I wonder if you think it's a kind of. It's a wonderful escapism, really, yes, isn't it? Is. it? Of, it is. of just getting away from everything. We need everything. to breathe. We need to breathe. We're being inundated, you know. Um, and I'm not just speaking of Britain, also in America, of all sorts of things. It doesn't matter what side of this political divide you are on, you are being inundated with some propaganda of some sort to either pull you, sway you, support you. And you cannot help but to have this in your mind when you're going to work, when you're cooking your food, when you go to sleep, when you wake up. And so music is, is a way to escape, you know, to give your mind and spirit a, a chance to just breathe, you know. And whether it's musical theater to escape into the world of five guys named Mo or, or whether it's uh, putting on some headphones and really digging some nice jazz or whatever your choice of music is, you know. Music is, is the magic that, you know, that takes us away. Yeah, it's supposed to be. And I'm talking to you in the middle of Black History Month, mm -hmm. which and you you've always been pretty active in your political stance on on things, and still mm -hmm. are, I imagine. I think so. Um, and you split your life between America and England, England now. Mm -hmm. Well, as you said, wherever you are, it's tricky. Yes, <laughs> yes, really. But you you demonstrated against the Vietnam War. Did you get arrested or something? So, yes, I did. You would bring that up. Oh no, you? I'm interested. Yeah, no, well, yes, I, I was. Uh, um, I'd come on down from uh, from Boston with uh, with a group of students from Boston University, and I was uh, registered as a first aid uh, or a medic, really just first aid because I was a, a teenager and had no medical experience. Um, but first aid was something that we were all trained in, and our brief. <laughs> 
And having been registered and carrying a big red cross on the back of your, your clothes, um, our brief was to be nonpartisan and to look after anybody, whether it was a demonstrator or whether it was an officer um, who was hurt. We were only allowed to use like saline and first aid, you know, um, and our brief was not to be, was to listen to what the, uh, what the monitors and the, uh, were saying. And on this particular day, there were about 6,000 people, uh, no total lie, there were probably 2,000 people, in front of the Department of Justice. And John Mitchell um, um, came above this building and told everyone that you had 20 minutes to move, <clears throat> otherwise you would be arrested. And at that point in time, 2,000 people laid down in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> But those standing were all of us who had uh, our, um, our Red Crosses. And we were given implicit directions on where to leave. That was our cue to follow those directions. And in following those directions, I was led right to the National Guard who held up his rifle and said, you can't leave this way. And I said, but the Secretary of State just said, we supposedly leave this way. He says, I don't care what he is. You have to go to the other end. Now, if you're familiar with Washington, D.C., you'll, un you'll know that a building can take up a whole city block. Uh, it'll probably take you three minutes to walk across that without people lying down and blocking your way. So we had to make our way across this field of bodies to the other end, only to be loaded into, um, into buses. And we were shipped off to a... Um, to a facility outside of Washington, D.C., and I think Silver Spring. And 13 of us spent the next 24 hours in, in a cell um, before we were processed, and um, that was my arrest. <laughs> um, the rest of that story is, is actually quite, quite interesting because it, it gave me an idea of how absurd, um, and actually for me, it was wonderful that our legal system worked. Um, in that after I was processed, I was taken to a federal, uh, federal court in Washington, and I was set before a redneck judge who grilled me to tears. Um, I was, uh, this is in April sometime, I think, and I think in June I was, um, I was um, looking to come to Europe to visit my older brother. And he told me I had to be in his court you know, on the day that I was to leave. And I said that I'm leaving. And he said, you're not going anywhere. He was as short of saying, you ain't going nowhere, boy. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I did nothing wrong. So I left that courtroom in a daze and uh, out in the hallway where there's a lot of kerfuffle going on. Someone's calling my name and I respond, they say, would you like to have your, your case now? And I said, I, I, I just don't know what's going on. And this man guided me into another courtroom around the corner from where I'd just been uh, accused of breaking the law into a high court. And in those days, you could smoke in court. And so the doors open up and this plume of smoke comes on out and there's all this rowdy, it's like, it was like a football match. People going, yeah, yes, oh yes, yes, oh, no, he's, he's innocent, yes. And there's a line of people standing in front of this long-haired hippie judge, gray hair, old man, you know, at the top of the tier, and he's going, uh, Jane Doe, um, obstructing police lines, how do you plead? Not guilty, good, next, process that. Uh, John Doe, um, uh, uh, you're charged with this... And he came up to me, uh, uh, Clark, uh, uh, you're, I said, yes, not guilty. He said, next. And within 20 minutes, 
I was out. You know, so you can imagine having gone through that process, you know, uh, having been told all your life that this is how things are, and then you going through the motions, and they're not how they are. Um, and fortunately for me, it worked out fine. You know, so I was freed, and that was the story of me being arrested for being a demonstrator against the Vietnam War, which was the wrong war to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, the, the Vietnam War was a, another issue, but in, in Black History Month, mm-hmm. uh, I just wondered what your opinion was on how things have changed since you've been in the business um, in terms of equality. Some of it for the better and some of it hasn't changed at all. Some of it is just an illusion. Um, It's changed uh, for for people of color in that there's more work, there's more accessibility. Uh, People of color have been allowed to produce, you know, direct, write, but we've not been able to broadcast. Um, we've had access to that, but it's not it's it's not our call, so to speak. Um, prior to my uh, coming into the business, none of those things were possible. Very few of those things were possible. Um, Sidney Poitier had written a book back in the early '70s, uh, stating that you know he's a man who had acted, directed, produced, but. He stated that if you cannot distribute, you know, uh, you've pretty much wasted your time. Well, um, now we can do all of those things, and and because of like the internet, so forth and so on, there is that avenue to uh, to get product out there. But getting it into the mainstream and getting into the huge movie houses is still a, is still a challenge. This piece uh, that I was working on, Harriet Tubman, for example, um, Harriet, who's one of those heroines uh, in history, um, who all women should take a look at, you know, because this is this is your strength, this is your power, this is what women have done. Um, and people say, why hasn't this story been told? It's not been told because she's a woman, number one, and she's a black woman, number two. You know, but it's taken a black woman, two black women, to really push it on through. You know, so now this is out there. It may just hit the screen for one or two days. Um, but it catch like uh, uh, Kaepernick, for example, when he took the knee against the uh, against the um, against the uh, American flag um, for what it represented, he felt hypocritical in doing so. Um, I understand that. I understand that. You know, on one hand you give something, and on another hand you take everything back. Plus, you know, how does one expect a human to respect that type of system, you know, to respect that type of behavior, you know, um, it's a, a, we are probably all suffering from an enormous mental illness because we are, we, we don't question it. This is just how life is. And that isn't how life should be, you know, um, from food to the air, to medicine, you know, it's, um, there's a lot that, uh, that we've got to, we've got to look forward to change. Yes, and so not a lot has changed for people of color in America, and certainly not a lot has changed at all for the indigenous people. You know, black Mm -hmm. Americans have it bad, but the indigenous people have it worse. You know, and they were there first. That's their land. Mm -hmm. So um, we're all visitors there. It's been fascinating talking to you. you, Um, 
we will escape from this world of all of that when we watch his Dark Materials on the television. And I'm going to finish the book before the series finishes, obviously, so I will know what's going to happen. But um, and meanwhile, uh, just keep entertaining us with your music, Thank please. You very, Thank very you. Much. Thank you, Clark. That was Clark Peters talking about his dark materials and, of course, the amazing career that he's had and the influences throughout his career. Uh, If you enjoyed that, then why not have a look at my back catalogue of podcasts? There's loads of them up there on the website. Just have a look and enjoy. Enjoy.